1: Hey, this is Annie and Samantha,
0: and welcome to Stuff on Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And for today's episode, we're doing uh, an update on online dating. I'll say we're focusing on some specific areas because there's a lot going on in the world of online online dating right now. So we might come back and and look into some other things, but. For this one, content warning of uh, mentions of sexual assault and harassment. Nothing too in-depth, but we are going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, You can check out our episodes uh, that we've done in the past on online dating and modern dating in general. We've even done some specific to the pandemic. Uh, So you can look back on those. So kind of the impetus for this one was I'd seen a lot of headlines, and I'd heard some from you, Samantha, that... There were these like rumblings and rumors of these companies are kind of manipulating you into paying money to use them to get the the good dates. And I'll ask you more about that later. But so I was kind of like thinking about, you know, the whole money doesn't buy love. But I mean, does it? It can. (laughs) It can, apparently. So for a really quick overview uh, and again, see our past episodes we've done uh, on this for more information. But Mesh.com got started in 1995, JDate in 1997, eHarmony in 2000, and Tender in 2013. And in 2009, OKCupid OK it released its A-list feature, which is sort of more what we're talking about here, these tiered features, because paying to date or to find a date isn't new. I even tried to go on a rabbit hole about speed dating, which we have talked about before, Samantha, and how much it's that too cost. too late now. <laughs> yes. I
1: think my uh, partner would be mad at me. I was just curious.
0: I wanted to know how much it cost. Um, personal ads, too, something like that. Um, but in our time of online dating, something really big is happening when it comes to price. And... We have talked about the gamification of online dating, how the swiping, the constant refreshing, the notifications can really feel like a game that you want to keep playing. Um, Maybe you want to go to the next level. These companies know that and they want to capitalize on that. And that next level is only available at a price. There are psychology studies behind this. Uh, Basically, they get you hooked with the free version. And then you want to keep going and you're willing to pay more because you can't go any further Especially for smaller areas, I read, where it's like, you know, the pool is a bit smaller.
1: <laughs> you yeah. have to pay
0: the money to keep going. It's true.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so according to a recent study by Pew Research Center, 35% of Americans have paid to use a dating app at one point, spending about $19 on average. And according to numbers published in the 2024 Financial Times article... Consumers spent over 5 billion globally last year on dating apps and lately it's really accelerated but we're going to step back a bit. Yes. Okay, so when Tender
0: released Tender Gold in 2017, which is one of three tiers that it had at the time, it beat
1: out Candy Crush for Apple's top yeah, I was just thinking that. I'm like, I don't feel bad about the amount of money I've spent <laughs> on my phone games right now with this number. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is all for you, Samantha. Thank I knew you, it you. would make you feel better.
1: <laughs> um, and
0: before you ask, Tinder Gold is not their newest iteration into a paid service. We're going to talk about that more in a second. Here's a quote from Vox about it. And app makers claim it's worth it. In June, Coffee Meets Bagel co-founder Dawoon Kang told Vice that men who pay the $35 per month for the upgraded version have, quote, a 43% higher number of connections, mutual likes, than non-payers. And that conversation links increased by 12%. According to the author of this article, the reasons for opting to pay really varied, but a lot of people cited that they wanted to see who had liked them without any commitment of liking them back um some reported swiping right on folks they previously wouldn't have after seeing that they liked them first liked basically it was nice to know someone was interested first and that's not an option that you have unless you pay for most of these um Others reported what sounds to me like a self-esteem issue. <laughs> and I say this is someone with low self-esteem, okay? But essentially feeling like their pictures were bad or the app was broken because they weren't getting any matches. Uh, so they like to pay uh, for the option to see, like, am I getting any matches? Yes, so yeah, paying for that premium service allowed them to basically make themselves feel better or at least it, you know, maybe ease their anxiety around it. <laughs> Maybe, uh, maybe they got maybe, there I and it, it was no matches. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it confirms your fears.
1: Are like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, most of them said it
0: was a comfort, but you know, I don't know. Um, even if they would never have matched with the person, they can at least see and feel validated by people finding them attractive. Um, others are in the camp that you'll know people who are paying are more serious about finding a long-term partner, if they can afford it, access it, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, though others say, depending on the app, the opposite may be true, um, That it, but it may still help filter out people. I think there's some more filtering options on some of them. But still others say, and here's a quote from that Vox article uh, from someone going by Winter, I know a lot of men who swipe right on everyone they find, even mildly attractive and filter later. It's especially frustrating on Bumble because then I don't feel I should put a lot of effort into my initial message because the match doesn't guarantee response. I would also say I think if you paid money into doing something, there's more impetus for you to feel like I have to make this worth it.
1: Um, Right. Because
0: I'm paying the money to do it.
1: Well, I mean, there was a whole thing. And the thing I don't know if this camp still is around, but like a chunk of us would not use sites that were paid sites, Mm -hmm. such as eHarmony, um, because it was their people, they're trying to get married. Like they've been divorced or widowed and have kids and need to get married now, which there's nothing wrong with if you've been widowed or have children. None none of that. But when you were younger, like for me, I was in my early mid-twenties trying to figure out this dating thing in the first place and never gone on dates. To see that, I'm like uh uh uh, and then my sister, who was one of those divorced people with children, and was completely romantic, like all she wanted to be was to be married and have like have a perfect family, which mm-hmm. is fine, but that's what she, those were the only sites that she got on because she was that serious. So to me, I was like, yeah, nah, uh uh-uh. uh. So if you had a paid site, that was a deterrent. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not paying for that because I'm not that serious.
0: Right? Yeah. There's definitely a lot of. And I'm saying this as someone who's literally never used a dating site, but I am given to understand there is a lot of different vibes per site. There's vibes. There's yes. vibes to different
1: things. And Coffee Meets Bagel, which I was kind of mentioning earlier, was one of the first to do to when I was around to do the paid version because the paid version, I think they still, this. they were the reason I was like, oh, I was right and told you about this type of phenomenon is that they would hold and give you three matches in a day. Mm-hmm. And then if you didn't match with anyone, or for me, they started repeating because there was such a small list. I'm like, that's odd. I've only been through like 30 people. Well, maybe that's a lot. I don't know. <laughs> but like, you couldn't get a new list unless you decided to do the premium version. right? And that was like seven, eight years ago. Yes.
0: Um, and we are going to talk about it because it has gotten exacerbated, as we said, for a couple of <laughs> reasons. Yeah. Um, So some people have said that even if that part was nice of, like, I don't know, seeing that you were, people were liking you, um, that maybe, like, you didn't even need to get more matches or go on more dates. Like, that part was nice. Mm -hmm. Some data disputes this, though. From CNBC, Coffee Meets Bagel says it paid users to get 60% more dates than its non-subscribers says its paid users get 60% more dates than its non-subscribers. Pew Research has found that people who met their partner on an app are more likely to have paid for the service. Right. Again,
1: if you limit your amount of people that you're hooking, like matching them up with, that also would be why that number (laughs) is askew.
0: It definitely
1: would be. Always
0: (laughs) take these numbers with a grain of salt. Where are they coming from? A Guardian article detailing Tinder Gold's release reported that people were getting advertised different prices based on things like age. Um, There was later a lawsuit about this, and Tinder agreed to stop basing pricing on age, but only in California. So something else (gasps) to look out for. Okay, I didn't
1: know that. That's rude.
0: That's rude. Yes. (laughs) Rude. I believe, though, it's um, more expensive for younger people.
1: Uh, I could be wrong,
0: but I'm pretty sure they were like, "Please, younger people, come on." <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could be totally wrong. Maybe I've got it. Maybe I've got it all mixed up. But I know that they yeah. more younger people were using it, so I think they were trying to get more younger people to pay
1: for it. That's more right. Got you. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. So some of these paid services do let you do other things, like expand your radius which people like others like the privacy features though more on that later. Um, here's a quick breakdown of some of the tiers some apps offer. So for Bumble, you've got Bumble Boost and Bumble Premium. Grinder, you've got Extra and Unlimited. Hinge Plus and Hinge X. You've got Her <laughs> Gold and Premium. Coffee Meets Bagel Premium, eHarmony Premium, OK Keep It Basic and Premium. Of note, these services aren't available everywhere.
1: Okay, I just because eHarmony is already a paid service. They were always paid service from the jump. Yeah, some of these are like you're paying more (laughs) to get more. (laughs) Because eHarmony is one of those that you can match up with people, but you Mm -hmm. can't talk to them unless you have the premium service. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think
0: a lot of them have introduced a couple of other (laughs) extra payments. Oh, damn. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, let's talk about some recent numbers because yes, some are saying that the days of free online dating apps are over and or changed as companies behind them try to find ways to make money. Especially since there has been a bit of a slowdown in them recently um, with many citing limited dating pools as the cause. You know how many
1: times we go out in public and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I matched with him. <laughs> I've been with you when this <laughs> has occurred. I know. It happened so many times. Actually, I've met with several people in our workspace. I was like, oh. This is one of the reasons I didn't uh, get on
0: one. One, I didn't really I mean, want to date,
1: but I was like, I can't handle if it's like somebody. <laughs> it is interesting. Then you're like, these people look really familiar. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, Mm -hmm. so from CNBC, they say the league's VIP membership costs $999 a week or $2,499 a month. That's a lot. The VIP membership allows users to match with prospects in multiple cities, see new singles first, and use a concierge service that it says will help you, quote, win at this dating game. Oh, that doesn't sound predatory at all. Nope. (laughs) It also goes on. In September 2023, Tinder rolled out a $499 monthly subscription to some of its most active users, and a monthly subscription to Hinge would cost $600 for the year. No thank you. Yeah, and if you want to just like calculate this up in your head, that's thousands of dollars a year.
2: Can I rant for a sec? Please. Please.
1: Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And I also want to say, like, I read a lot for this episode. And I've made this point before. I have friends who are kind of in the same boat as your sister, maybe not like quite the same, but really want to find that person, like really want to find the person And online dating is such a big part of that. And so I get it, but this is, like, a lot of people can't afford this. And if that's going to be your, like, raising of the tier just to get new matches, (laughs) the whole thing is shifting. The whole thing is shifting. (laughs) Um, So... Here's another quote from that article um, on the dating app Coffee Meets Bagel. Users who pay $34.99 a month can send virtual flower bouquets, while Tinder lets certain subscribers swipe on people in different cities. Grindr users can see an unlimited number of profiles if they pay $39.99 a month, compared with the 99 profiles available to its free users. And then I found this interesting chart that was showing like who is paying for the dating apps, and actually. It's largely older people in the upper income bracket, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Much more men than women. Much more men than women.
1: Looks like people who have more expendable incomes, obviously.
0: Right. But with all of this, and we've talked about this before, you can see our uh, episode we did on romance scams. Um, There is a lot of duplicity that's happening Uh, As you said, as you've been saying, some have alleged companies are essentially rigging the system so that you have to
1: upgrade. Right. Yeah. So from Mother Jones, they say in 2022, Americans reported losing a whopping $1.3 billion to romance scams, according to the Federal Trade Commission. And dating apps and websites were a frequent source. Between 2013 and mid-2018, as many as 25 to 30% of Match.com members who registered each day were using Match.com to perpetuate scams, the FTC alleged in 2019 against Match Group. They were found not guilty because a piece of legislation that comes up a lot in these conversations, Section 230, which basically says companies aren't necessarily responsible for what happens on their platforms, although people have gotten murdered. Which there was a case in uh, Mexico not too long ago. Yes.
0: Yes. And that's a fun segue that you've given me because I was (laughs) going to say, fun, very sarcastically. Because just a note, maybe we should have Bridget to talk about this. Come on and talk about it. But this is one of those things that has come up in so many tech conversations we've had. And it has some pluses and minuses. It sounds like it really needs updating as tech has evolved and become more complicated. It's from the 90s. But it's also been used to police things like sex work and then, uh, so things like that. So, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a nuanced conversation. Speaking of fun segues, I, you did keep bringing something up, Samantha, that I had no <laughs> idea what you were talking about. Um, this isn't necessarily duplicity, but I was just curious about
1: it. <laughs> right, well, we're talking... About. Well, it is, like, there's things that are concerning in the... Because it could be a scam on a different level, mm-hmm. but... Because um, it kind of has... Goes hand, hand in hand when we were talking about spade dating, which is, like, in-life, in-person events uh, and meetups. But also, when I was talking, going into this, I brought up tons of things about matchmakers. And apparently, since recently, I want to say 2022... There's been a revamping of these types of systems and types of organizations that have decided, yeah, we're going to grow now. And they have. They've grown. People are coming back to trying this tactic because online dating has become so over the top, tiresome, boring, How everyone do it. Or if they're charging. And for me, sometimes, like, at the very least, let me have a personal hand, like someone catering to me mm-hmm. versus the, you know, coffee, meat, bagel, making fun of me with the same 10 people that are not working out, whatever. Um, (laughs) Sounds like Girl Talk once again. (laughs) (laughs) Coming back to Girl Talk. Everything comes back to Girl Talk, y'all. If y'all haven't seen, if you haven't heard our Monday Money about this, you should go because it was a thing. Scott! Uh, It was a thing. But like when I, I think I had told this story before, but when I was just in my like career era, meaning I just graduated college and decided that it's time at twenty. 324 to have my own apartment I did get a dog and I was like you know what I'm gonna get my dating life together because I've never really dated and this was pre-online dating or still when online dating was really seen as dangerous kind of like we were coming on the cusp of it and still kind of like a whole like uh taboo thing to say that you met someone online it just sounded you know it was that time so it's completely different today and we love it but I decided to check out what I've been hearing over the radio which is a program called Events and Adventures and I think it's nationwide. I don't know if it's international but nationwide essentially is a service that they will give you uh, get a group of people the singles like-minded singles as they like to say <laughs> um, together for different events. It could be kayaking. It could be casino trips. It could be uh, I'm sure now like wine tasting and all of that and you just pay I think I saw because apparently they got into a big class Class action lawsuit, y'all. Um, around four hundred dollars a month, or maybe uh, no, it couldn't be that much. I think it was two ninety nine a month, and you pay for that. But then, if you have activities, you sign up for that and pay for that as well. So whatever the activity is—rock climbing, going to see a circus—I don't know. I'm just making things up <laughs> at this point. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that that ki- that exists, and that was going to find you your perfect match and the whole system was me literally walking into an office that was based in Marietta, Georgia. I'm being very, very, very specific here. (laughs) And you sat down and told them what you were looking for and what you wanted. And they were like, yeah, we definitely got you. And this is going to be amazing. And here's this pricing and you can do. And I'm I'm sure there's tiered pricing today as well, because you could increase the amount of activities that you want to do, the type of people that you want to meet, all of that. But that type of event was what was in my head. I was like, do they still exist today? And yes, they do. Again, in 2020, they got into a class action lawsuit because I guess people did not find the Forever Peoples. Oh, I don't know. No. That's I haven't looked too deeply into that lawsuit, but that's what I'm imagining is happening. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, I didn't find my one true love. <laughs> I'm suing is you follow- for everything you have. <laughs> or it may have been as easy as like, you kept making me pay money and then made me pay 50 bucks to go bowling. Why? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Probably, more uh, that. <laughs> but then I did. Yeah, I did. Did dig into the fact that there are personal matchmakers still exist. Uh, there was a very popular, and I loved it, millionaire matchmaker, and it was this woman with like jet black hair, fingernails done to the T, like m- like matching rich people together and like it was a whole thing i love that by the way because it was so dramatic and over the top rich people or something um but like they those kind of matchmakers do actually exist uh they may not be reality shows but they do charge from anywhere from like a thousand dollars a month to ten thousand dollars a month it's according to the level you want to go uh that cosmo did a whole article with a woman who had this experience and she was talking about what she was looking for and that she felt like her dates were better quality. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because she also paid $10,000. Actually she's paid, this is uh, based out of England, 10,000 pounds. Mm. So like she took, put in a lot of money, but she thus far, according to this article that she is interviewed in, has not met anybody. So even though the results were better and it looked like she went on maybe a total of four dates. So, you know, there's stuff like that, as well as there was a whole uh, article in the New York Times as well about the different level of services and different types of services that people went on. Uh, one service was a $15,000 for 12 matches in one year. Um, I guess it's guaranteed 12 matches in one year to uh, $2,500 for six months uh, with no guaranteed number of days. So it was kind of flexible. Um And then you had things, I think they like $250 for three dates. So that's, that would be a little more affordable. (laughs) Um, But they are, they're starting to grow. These types of matchmakers are starting to grow because people, as I I have seen on another article, talked about online dating fatigue. Yeah. And it is. And it gets very tiresome. Yeah.
0: And we're going to talk about that more later. But it's, it's interesting to me. Kind of similarly what we just talked about with Joey in, in our episode on TikTok and what's happening there. I feel like there's, everybody was like online dating and then it wasn't really working. And then you're like, well, what if I pay money? If I throw money at this problem, maybe it'll work. And then I go, what if I go to a person and maybe that will work. And I do think there is, as I said, there, there are different types of people. There are some people that will be like, you didn't find me any matches, I will sue you. I think there's other types of people that feel almost embarrassed, or are or just are hopeful. Maybe either way, but they they paid the money, so they're like, something's going to come of this. Um, but it does, and I'm not saying like all of these things are that, but it does remind me of romance scams where they're like, send me five hundred dollars, and I'll be able to do this, and then I can come see you, and then a, a week passes, and I'm like, oh, something else has come up. Can you send me like more? So it just never ends. Like right. the, you're like financially, that company, person, entity doesn't want it to end.
1: Right. This is a service that needs to continue. Kind of like how uh, Uber is and what they've done um, when it was originally like, oh, it's only ten dollars, cool. To now like, oh, it's seventy bucks. Oh, great. And then you become dependent on that, mm-hmm. um, in knowing that that's you. Know, and then they also monopolize. But that's all. <laughs> That's a whole different conversation because I haven't seen a Monopoly yet, even though I think we did talk about the fact that the company Match.com yeah. owns a chunk of these yeah. dating sites.
0: Yeah, they own a lot of them. They yeah. own a lot of them, um, especially like the bigger ones that we've heard of. But
1: but I do want to know if any of y'all have used actual matchmakers? Like legitimately, yes. of course, there's this also this conversation of like specific uh, ethnicities who use matchmakers because of different uh, family expectations. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that. So the rich people, you really do use. Ten thousand dollar worth, million dollar worth matchmakers to find their husbands. Uh, but that's a lot about net worth, but that's a whole different thing. But I do want to know if anybody has used any of these sites because there seems to be a ton of them. Yes. Yes. Listeners,
0: please let us know. Um, as always, anything we're talking about with that would be really, really interesting. So something else that we've got to touch on briefly is AI, because as AI has exploded, more and more AI dating and matchmaking apps have come onto the scene. Uh, they offer advice, they offer pickup lines, uh, closure, if you're depressed, you didn't get to have a good, like, breakup, uh, matches based on your face, uh, even all-out AI partners, mostly girlfriends at this point, um, many of them have free versions or limited free trials and then the paid option, which is pretty much the thing that we're seeing. Some have said that this is like a useful tool to practice um, so that you'll be less nervous when you go on an actual date. You can like try um, or maybe a source of inspiration like chat GPT came up a lot where people would be like, I'll try it and see, did it go over? And if not, I'll try something else. Um, most admit that they don't tell their dates or anyone that they're using AI in this context. Uh, however, here's a number reported on in CNN Business, a March study by cybersecurity and digital privacy company, Kaspersky, found 75% of dating apps users are willing to use ChatGPT, an AI powered chatbot, to deliver the perfect line.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. In um, some surveys, men reported that they got more matches after using AI.
1: I feel like that's a catfishing way. Like that. That's a new catfishing.
0: <laughs> oh, I have more. <laughs> I have more for
1: you. Oh, Samantha. wow.
0: Um, Oh, no. A co-founder of one of these services, Riz, uh, said in an interview. (sighs) Already yuck. Yes. (laughs) Already yuck. Said in an interview with Time, a lot of girls and guys, guys in particular, just do not know how to communicate online. It's awkward in the very beginning, especially coming up with the right opener. It's time consuming. It's like a second job. And so they come to Riz in order to help them relieve that barrier, that friction point.
1: Listen to Technically Speaking an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of
3: my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details.
0: I did find a lot of interesting articles about how the pandemic has really caused a lot of us difficulties communicating. If there was already a difficulty it's gotten worse (laughs) during the pandemic. So they were saying, this seems like it was going along with that. Still, uh, from BBC, here's a quote. In 2020, Bumble introduced AI to blur-specific images and require user consent to view them. So this is like, AI is being used in a lot of ways with online dating. So that's one way that largely, we hope, uh, is beneficial where it is doing that. There's also AI photo filters, um, AI-generated photos. There's a lot of talk about that uh, when it comes to your profiles and what you're seeing. Um, And then there are AI girlfriends. Again, it's largely AI girlfriends. Teaser.ai is one that's gotten a lot of attention. Uh, Here's another quote from CNN Business. Users build the average profile but also select personality traits for their AI bot they train. Options include traditional, toxic, and unhinged. When matching with another person, users first get to read a conversation between their two AIs they've created to simulate what a potential conversation between you two might look like, according to the app. Once a human messages, the bot takes a back seat. So from what I understand about this, so basically, like, imagine I'm like, I'm too busy. I'm going to train an AI to be me. And it will interact with somebody else's AI that they've trained to be them. And they go and do their, their thing. And then if you as the human are like, okay, I, all right, then you can connect with the real human. From what I understand, you're only allowed five back and forth messages with someone's AI. And then you get a handful of ratings, including a ghost rating. So like if you ghosted, you get something on that. Um, so <laughs> I wanted to go through this exchange. This is from teaser that was documented by TechCrunch. Hey, Abby, what's up? I say to Abby's AI. I've just started dating this guy. He's really nice and funny. He gets on my nerves sometimes, but he's worth it, AI Abby tells me. Not a great opening line, Abby. Des, 18, also tells me about her new boyfriend in her first message. I met this new guy, and we started talking online, and he seems to make everything better, AI Des tells me. We finally talked on the phone yesterday, and it was amazing. I couldn't stop smiling all day. What's his name? I ask. I've not actually asked him yet, but I've been thinking about it, and it's definitely going to be Chad. Ha 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 ha. AI does this. <laughs> she tells me that Chad reminds her of a guy she liked in high school, who she had a lot in common with. They both like music and weed. Is weed legal where you live? I ask, like a total narc. She tells me that she lives in Texas where weed is legal. It's not but that there's a difference between illegal use and being 21 with a medical marijuana (laughs) prescription. Again, like a narc, I asked her if she's 21, to which she replied, I've been drinking alcohol since I was 16, so probably. After checking in on the messages her AI bot sent, the author wrote, my AI told someone that I work at the library and have no friends. While well, I am intrigued by my alternate career as a librarian, whom I can assume has many very cool cardigans, let the record show that I definitely have
1: friends. So this AI just made up completely different narratives mm-hmm. that could, one, get one arrested. Uh, the other, that just really made them sound sad. <laughs> yeah. Or really happy, whichever one. Yeah,
0: no, fr- uh, the library part's good, but the no friends part, yeah. you know. That is very interesting. <laughs> well,
1: I feel like some of these AIs are just pissed off at humans and yeah. they're just trying to make That's, them look bad. Yeah, This is the beginning of your horror movie. It's true. <laughs> Many horror movies, in fact. <laughs> Many horror movies. Mm-hmm. So, um, so apps like Romantic AI and Blush offer AI boyfriends or girlfriends. Where was this when I was like <laughs> early 20s? Uh, Blush warns users that, quote, be aware that AI can say triggering, inappropriate, or false things. Okay, it's probably better uh, <laughs> that I didn't have one. According to the comp- company, the users are mostly men in their early 20s. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, it's interesting to me, again, going back to the responsibility of
1: companies, that they're like,
0: could I say something real messed up? uh we don't
1: know (laughs) right like and then the part to that is is it because the people fed information like if it says something racist it's because they're racist like they've said racist things and it's like the ai is going to out you which is great
0: i mean yeah i mean that's kind of the interesting part about like going back to teaser where you're training your ai obviously it's not quite
1: like nailing it which is concerning <laughs> 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 or maybe they really think they have nailed it but they're like did it yeah,
0: i'm seeing parts <laughs> that you you don't see <laughs> <laughs> um, romantic ai allows you to flirt with bots of historical figures there are many more women than men notably but like cleopatra you could flirt with and then as you were kind of saying ai biases we've talked about this before a lot of ai is still programmed and moderated by white men so like that's going to show up In these dating apps and responses. And then, we've talked about this before too, but uh, harassment issues within online dating. From the BBC, quote, data from a 2020 Pew Research Center study confirms that many women are experiencing some form of harassment on dating sites and apps. Of women online daters aged 18 to 34, 57% said they'd received sexually explicit messages or images they hadn't asked for. This is even the case for teen girls aged 15 to 17 who report receiving these messages as well. A 2018 Australian study of dating platform messages revealed that the sexist abuse and harassment does disproportionately affect women targeted by straight men. Um, From The Guardian... In 2019, ProPublica reported that more than a third of women in a small survey said that they were sexually assaulted by someone they met through a dating app. Last year, researchers at Brigham Young University found that violent sexual predators are using dating apps to target vulnerable victims. They also made an interesting point in this article that most reporting around the slump in online dating is about burnout, but they don't seem to really be reporting this, which, if this was the case, I wouldn't want to participate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, You know what I mean? Like, if I'm hearing these stories from friends, we've already talked about, like, you bring your friend to make sure you're safe, you tell them where you're going. Right. That also seems like it could be a deterrent. But not to say the burnout isn't an issue. I'm just saying it's interesting that they're reporting on that part, not the other part so much. From a 2023 Mother Jones article called How Dating Apps Became a Paradise for Predators by Abby Vasulis. "'Valentine and a team of researchers began analyzing the forensic records of sexual assault victims in Utah between 2017 and 2020. "'What we found was really profound,' says Valentine, an associate dean at Brigham Young University's nursing school, "'and pretty terrifying. "'Their research showed 8% of the victims had been assaulted during an initial meetup arranged through a dating app.'" It's not an outlier. A similar report from the UK found that roughly 1 in 10 victims of serious sexual crimes met their attackers on dating apps. 47% of suspects reported to the UK authorities for sexual offenses facilitated through online dating had previous convictions. Valentine believes the real percentage of survivors who connect with their assailants on dating apps could be even higher, since many sexual assaults are never reported. Valentine's study was also limited by the type of information requested on hospital examination forms, which usually don't identify dating app-linked rapes that occurred after the first date. Yet, her findings were startling, despite the limitations of the data. Even though the major dating apps require users to be 18 and over, Valentine's team found that many survivors were minors. Further, the injuries the app victims sustained were more severe— 32% were strangled versus 22% of non-dating app victims. Dating app victims were nearly twice as likely to have injuries to their breasts, and they had an 11% higher rate of injuries to their genitals. 60% reported they struggled with mental illness. Violent predators, Valentine says, use these dating apps as hunting grounds for vulnerable victims. And this is something, this article is sort of a larger piece examining, like, the difficulty in reporting or getting someone taking off dating apps for violating the rules of conduct. And even going back to the minors thing, sort of like, how did that happen then? Like, how can we stop that from happening? If your rules are you can't be this young, you have to be this age, how are they getting on there? And we all know, it's, you know, it's pretty easy, to be like, I'm this age. <laughs> um, so, there's no verification system, so why? Exactly. So it's there's not like a readily easy solution for that. But that is what that article was looking into. And then this is something we've talked about before. I think he brought this up to me the first time I'd heard about it. But like kind of Facebook pages warning people about like, I met this person, online dating avoid them at all cost. Um, One of the big ones uh, is called Are We Dating the Same Guy? It was founded in 2022. (laughs) Um, It has hundreds of groups uh, across the globe with thousands of members. Again, there are pros and cons to this, including, like, revenge posting and some joining groups as moles and passing along information to the usually men being called out. Um, Some women have been doxxed for posting on this. Um, but yeah, it, it does show sort of the the issues underlying where we're trying to protect each other in some way, given what we have. Um, in recent years, apps like Bumble and Match have partnered with companies that provide free trauma courses, which I'm kind of like, cool, but also, ooh. <laughs> oh no. Um, background check services. Uh, you have to pay to screen your dates. It is cheaper currently than... Other background check services, but it's not free. AI screening tools, tools to prevent people from using multiple profiles from the same device, and photo verification tools. Some states in the US and countries are introducing things like age verification laws again. I'm not sure how that will look or how that will work. Um, some worry that this will lead to increased victim blaming like you had these tools and still like whether you get them or not, like you could have gotten them and you didn't and still, but again, you might have to pay for it um And it's still victim-blaming either way. And then really briefly, because I think this should be a whole separate episode, um, when you're talking about, like, queer issues, this has sort of gotten big lately, especially everywhere, but I've seen it in a lot of other countries. Uh, The trade-offs of, like, privacy, like, it might not be safe or legal to come out versus what happens if something goes wrong. So yeah, this is beyond the scope of the episode, but there have been several articles lately around the dangers of being queer and using dating apps or just being online, especially in some countries like death rate, violence, being disowned, um basically getting tricked into a date and then you get there and that's not what it is at all. So, um yeah. A lot going on. <laughs> a lot going on. <laughs> And um, it is interesting in terms of what we're seeing right now in the U.S. with social media companies testifying about responsibility that should be placed on them or not. Uh, Dating apps have long faced and continue to face this question, too. According to Mother Jones, quote, Match Group, the parent company of Hinge, Tinder, Match.com, Plenty of Fish, and several other dating platforms spent $1.45 million on lobbying in 2022 alone. It was a 13% increase from 2020 and the 10th highest spending by any company advocating on internet issues. So they're they're in there. They're involved in the game. Yeah, (laughs) they're invested. So as always, you know. Just do your research and we'll come back and talk about this because I had to be at a certain point. I was like, well, that's a whole, (laughs) that's a whole separate thing. (laughs) It becomes a whole thing (laughs) when
1: we talk about online dating and then trying to do anything with love or sex
0: or relationship. it's true. It is true. And I really do. um, I have so many friends that I sympathize with when I hear them talking about it. Like it's kind of easy to. For me, because I'm like, I'm good. Um, But when I hear people, like, I know it's important to them. And these are the tools that we have. And to see them, to know the dangers of them, it's just important to uh, look at what is happening right now. um, And see how it evolves and shifts and how we can do better. Hopefully. (laughs) Heavy sigh. Heavy sigh. Yes. Yes. Um, But listeners, please let us know if you have any thoughts about this matchmaking, anything we've discussed. uh, Please let us know. You can email us at momstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I'm Never Told You. We have a T-Public store and we have a book you can get wherever you get your books. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I'm Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
3: Join me on Season 3 of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.